So have you ever felt like God didn't hear you? That you have been praying and you're in this situation where it feels like I, I am suffering and, and the things that are going on in this world, like it, it, do you see what is going on? And I've been praying and praying and praying and it seems like you're not answering me. It seems like you have a deaf ear to me or uh, if, if you can't hear me, then you're ignoring me. Right, And we can all feel that way at times, especially in seasons of pressing, in seasons of, of pushing. And I had a mentor years ago tell me that in the season of pressing, do not run away for God is teaching us something and that lesson will follow us as soon as we run from that lesson. And so in this moment, God is, is pushing in and pressing in on the earth. And it feels like for the saints and for those who are suffering in the midst of the season... Did you even hear me? Did you even hear my cry to you? Did you even hear how much this has hurt me? And what I want us to see today is that God has not missed a single prayer that you have sent up to him. God has not turned a deaf ear. God has not heard what you have pleaded with him for. And it can be whatever you're dealing with. It can be your finances. It can be your relationships. It can be your kids. It can be that you're not having kids. God hears and knows and, and understands your prayers. And so today we're going to be talking about this idea of being heard, but needing to be patient in the waiting. A couple years ago, Kelsey, um, She'll send me things, and I don't know, wives, you do this, or guys, you do this. You kind of send your Christmas list ahead, right? Like, you want to make sure that you get what, what you want, right? And you don't want to leave it to a guessing game, right? Because we all think that it's the thought that counts, but sometimes that thought was not a good thought, right? And so, Kelsey had, a couple months before Christmas, sent me um, this image of this necklace on Instagram, Right? And it was, it's a little pendant, maybe this long, and uh, it has engraved in it. What you can do is customize it, and you can have people's names engraved on each side of this four-sided pendant. And she said, oh, this would be a really cool gift if we just got all of the kids' names on it. And so I didn't respond, right? Like I just, I like saw it. You know, that's the worst. When you've sent someone something and it says seen, but there's no response. And so... I imagine that Kelsey in that moment sent this gift and sent this idea to me and, you know, like with eager anticipation is waiting for a reply and yet no reply comes. For months, we didn't talk about it. We didn't deal with it, right? Now, I had every intention of fulfilling that desire and so I ordered the necklace and I got the kids' names on it. My name wasn't on it, but the kids' names are on it. Just saying, it was weird, but okay. And so... Um, and I got the necklace and I, I, I'm terrible at rapping, by the way. Um, I was talking to Cody the other day on the phone, we FaceTime and he's like, I'm wrapping presents. I was like, that's what a gift bag is for. Um, you just throw it in the bag and then you just stuff paper. It's like a kind of a surprise. Um, or you can just hold the gift behind your back and then whammo, there it is, right? Like that's nice too. So anyway, I just have a hard time taking my time to wrap something that you're going to rip apart. You know what I mean? And so, anyway, um, some of you are like, no, it's the, it's the thought. Okay. Um, and so, Kelsey, I, I don't know if I wrapped it. I probably put it in a gift bag, let's be honest. Um, but I had this necklace. And Kelsey got the gift, and she opened it, and here's this necklace that she had asked for months ago. And it's almost as if she had forgotten that she had ever asked for it. 
And when she got it, she, she looked at it and she was, oh, this is awesome and thank you. And then she looked at me and said, you heard me. You heard me. And I did hear her. But there was a moment between hearing Kelsey and fulfilling what Kelsey had asked for. There was this season of waiting because the season to fulfill her desire and her wish or her request wasn't the moment she sent it to me. It was months later. But I heard her. And I responded and I was acting upon this moment of of what she had asked for. And today, that's what I want us to see in the book of Revelation is that the saints have been praying to God and God has heard them. But he is waiting to respond at the perfect time. And so maybe what you need to hear today as you are giving these prayers out to God and asking God to do something miraculous in your life, you feel like, man, I don't know if you have heard me, but God has heard every single one of your prayers and is going to respond to them at the exact right moment. And you will hear and maybe you will be reminded of that prayer you prayed a long time ago. And you go, oh, you did hear me. But maybe you're in this season of waiting in your life and you're in this season of turmoil and I want this word to be an encouragement to you today that God has heard you and has not forgotten you. That even as the world gets rough and and the seasons gets rough and, and everything seems to be falling apart, God has not lost sight of you. And so today as we pick up these seven judgments that are going to come through these trumpets. The saints have been praying to God, but I want us to understand something because there's locusts in there and there's hail and there's blood and there's fire and there's all of these things that happen. And we, we start to wonder, well, like, okay, so what is the locust? Is the locust an actual locust or is the locust an Apache helicopter? And then, man, the, the Bible describes this star that falls out of the sky and hits the earth. Is that a nuclear bomb? Like, I don't, what is it? And what are those things? How unkind would it be for God to tell people about things back then that could not have been impossible then. And so what we do is we start to look at this book and we look at these chapters and we go, well, I want to play the game of prediction. And God's like, I'm not in that moment right now. I want to talk to your heart, not just to your head. And so God has something for you and I in these next few moments that aren't just about the future, but they're about right now for you and me. That God has a word for you and I, and and I want us to be reminded because the reader and the hearer of the letter of Revelation, if they were versed in the Jewish scriptures, their mind would have gone back to the Old Testament when they heard these words. See, there's this moment in the history of Israel where Israel and the land was in a great famine. And you guys may know the story of Joseph. And Joseph had gone to Egypt after his brothers had sold him into slavery. And what man meant for evil, God meant for good. And Joseph ends up being the second in command of all of Egypt. And when the famine hits and the land is bad, Egypt is in a good place because of the way that Joseph has led. And when Joseph's brothers come, they get to this place in in all... Joseph doesn't judge his brothers. He actually welcomes all of Israel in. And that's a whole other message of the beauty of what humanity can mean for evil. God can mean for the prosperity of his people. But then what happens is, is 
In the book of Exodus, we understand because the, the story of Israel coming into Egypt ends the book of Genesis, and then we pick up with the book of Exodus 400 years later. And the Bible says that there are now pharaohs and leaders in Egypt who had forgotten who Joseph was. And God has been silent. And what has happened is is because of the rising uh, and the growth of the Hebrew people, Pharaoh gets freaked out and says, we got to diminish the size of the Israelites because they could overtake us. And then we're going to make their slavery hard now. And we're going to make their work unbearable. And the people of Israel are crying out to God. And the Bible says that through Moses that God has heard the cries of his people. And so today, today as we look at Exodus 8, and, or not Exodus, Revelation 8 and 9, we're being paralleled with what God did in Egypt. And I think that's one of the points, that God does some of his best work when things look the worst. So let me just remind you quickly of what happened to free God's people out of their slavery to Egypt. And what did their slavery represent for them? But for us now, it represents sin. And death, it represents the things that control us and master us the most, that God is rescuing his people out of desperate situations. And maybe you find yourself today in a desperate situation. May the words of Exodus and the words of Revelation remind us that we serve in love and pray to the God who rescues So let me remind you of what happens in Exodus chapter 7 to 11. These are the plagues that come in to Egypt. First, the water in the Nile is turned to blood. Then there is this lesion of frogs that enter in and overrun the city. Then lice come in and then flies overrun. Then there's pestilence with the livestock. People get boils. There's hail. And let me just tell you something. If you're in Egypt and it never rains, when it hails, it's super weird. You're like, Not only is that rain, it's frozen rain, right? Like, this is crazy. And then from the hail comes the locust. And then from the locust comes darkness. And then finally, at the end of it, it's the killing of the firstborn. And this is all related and tied into the Passover, right? And it's all related into what happens and what Egypt did in killing the firstborn sons of Israel. But in all of this, in all of the suffering that Israel has gone through, they cry out to God and the Bible tells us and he tells Moses and he wants the people to know that I've heard your cries and I am moving on your behalf. But no one else talks about the fact that being rescued was hard because Israel had to suffer through the plagues too, right? Except for the last one. But the the hail and the locust and the darkness and the blood of the water and all of these things, Israel had to go through these things to get to their final rescue. And let me tell you here today, some of you think that the rescue means that you don't go through any trial, but sometimes the trial is part of the rescue. We're going to see in the book of Revelation as God is redeeming all things, as God is renewing all things, and judgment is coming upon the earth and the people of the earth, that sometimes we suffer in the process of our rescue. And some of you in this room have been discouraged about what God is doing in your life because you're suffering in the process of your rescue. But that doesn't mean that salvation is not coming. And so what happens here is the book of 
Revelation opens up with this idea and the things that are used to describe the, the opening or the blowing of the trumpets would take the reader back to Exodus and go, man, th- these things sound very familiar. These things, I- I've heard these stories told to me before and I'm, I need to remember that in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of Israel's suffering, God was saving them. In the midst of my suffering, God is saving me and he is rescuing me. And so I have a great hope. And we talked about this last week that when you have hope, you can endure great things. When you have great hope and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you can endure great things. You can endure hard things. But how many of us feel like in the middle of all of this turmoil in, in that, that medical diagnosis you just got or, or you know, praying for that kid or maybe you had all of these plans for Christmas of reuniting the family and now the family's blown up weeks before Christmas. Or maybe like you, you thought that the holidays would bring you and your spouse closer together. It's been nothing but a wedge and a divider. Or you've heard them say on the news that the economy's doing great and getting better, but your pocketbook says a different story. And you're picking and choosing what gifts you can get this year, if you can get any at all. And you just think in the middle of this, I I mean, I've sent up some pretty good prayers. I've sent up, and they're not even for me. They're for others. Like, are you hearing me? Well, Revelation begins with a word of encouragement for the saints as probably some of the, well, the hardest wrath and judgment the world has seen up to this point in human history is coming. And so God is going to give us a word of encouragement. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. There's this moment of reprieve and peace after the seventh seal is open. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer. If you guys don't know what a censer is, this is what a censer is. You guys may have seen it like in old movies or maybe you grew up in going to a more um, traditional, maybe hierarchical church where uh, the priest or the leader would have these and they put incense in them. And then they walk around and what they do is they pray and, and these This lighting of the incense here, if you don't know or no one ever explained it to you, it's actually kind of beautiful in this story, is that the incense lit is meant to represent the prayers of the saints. That's why they do this. They walk around and they shake these things and there's smoke coming out of it. It's meant to remind the people that in the Holy of Holies in the temple that these would be lit and they would smoke and they were meant to remind the people that the prayers of the people go up to God. So we are opened up into the scene where there is this angel who is in heaven and he has a golden censer and he came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer. There's a lot to pack in here. There's a lot going on with the prayers of all of God's people. What does that mean? Let's just stop for a second. What, what is the imagery that the Bible is giving us here? Things are desperate because how many of us pray more when things get real desperate? So this angel who holds the, the prayers of the saints, 
which are incense lit in the true holy of holies, are before the presence of God, filling the throne room of God. And the Bible says that the prayers coming in are so much and so intense, there's a lot to put in here. And so he begins to take it and he brings it before the throne in verse 4. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hands. What does that mean? That the, the prayers of God's people reached God. That he was affected and, and knew them and was in, they were in his presence. They had not fallen on deaf ears. They had not fallen to a place, but they were being packed and they were being put in and they were being brought before the throne. And God is being affected by these things. And it it feels like the waiting for you and I, like, when are you going to do something? When are you going to answer my prayer? When are you going to say something? Verse 5, and then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar of God. And he hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. First point of today's message is this. Our prayers are right now in heaven. And they are being put into the censer and being lit and wafted in the throne room of God. And they are affecting God. But this is the very first time that we see that in light of the tribulation that is hitting the earth, that the angel lights the prayers of the people And he takes the censer and he throws it to the earth. Peals of thunder and lightning affect everything. What does this mean? I have heard the cries of my people. And now I am coming. I have heard the cries of my saints. I have heard the desperation of my people. And now the time has come for the prayers to be answered. And it's going to get rough. And it's going to get hard. How many of you need to hear right now that your prayers are in the presence of the Lord right now? And they are a sweet aroma to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he is not deaf or blind or immovable towards your prayers, but he is going to answer those prayers at the exact right moment. If you remember from last week, we talked about these seals which were broken, and the fifth seal that was broken were from the martyrs that were underneath the altar of God, calling out to God and saying, when are you going to do something? He's doing something now. The prayers of the martyrs and the saints, those who have suffered great persecution and those who had suffered great harm during these seasons is being answered right now. And here's the reality of what's going to happen. Things are going to go from bad to worse because God is responding to the cries of his people. How many of you want to see God respond to the cries of your heart right now? for the wrong that's been done to you, for the things that, that have happened, for the suffering that you've gone through, through, through the pain, and, and you want something to happen, you need something to go on, and you need God to move. And the Bible says that at the, the exact right moment, the angel which holds the prayers of humanity lights the prayers and hurls the censer back to the earth. What he's saying is we're coming 
And we're going to be answering some things right now. And the way that the Bible describes what is going to happen next is through these great blasts of trumpets. Revelation chapter five or chapter eight, verse five, it says, Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it to the earth, and there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Verse six, then the seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down to the earth. Now, what would this do for the reader? What is the very first thing in the very first plague that hits Egypt? Water turned to blood and hail coming down from the heavens. God is immediately saying, remember what I've done then. Fear not, for I am doing the same now. Do not have fear. Do not walk in this moment and be worried about all of these things. Look at what it says as it continues. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. This very first trumpet, this very first judgment which hits the earth, hits creation. It hits what God had created. It hits what had gone on in these moments. And he he begins to overwhelm people. It destroys a third of what is going on on the earth. Then the second trumpet is sounded, verse 8 and 9. The second angel sounded his trumpet in something like a huge mountain. All ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea creatures or a third of the sea turned into blood, reminding us again of Exodus. A third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Now, what we want to do is go, okay, fiery mountain, what is that? It's, okay, it's probably a spaceship. Could be, uh, you know, I've seen the Marvel movies. Maybe we're there one day and this big ship falls into the sea. Maybe it's a literal mountain that gets picked up and is thrown into the ocean. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, I mean, what could this be? We don't struggle with hail. We're like, I think it's just hail. Okay, I got that. But what is this mountain which is on fire? Is, what is it a metaphor for? I think we're losing the heart of what God is saying here. If he wanted to be very clear on what the mountain was, he would tell us what the mountain is. But we know that what happens is is we're going to see incredible calamities hitting the earth. And these are warning signs for the people of what is to come. This is a warning of, look, if we continue in this way, if we keep going, things are going to get bad. The third trumpet then begins to be sounded. Verses 10 through 11. The third angel sounded his trumpet in a great star blazing like a torch. This is what everyone thinks is a nuclear bomb fell from the sky on on a third of the rivers in the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. Everyone's like, okay, there's going to be a nuclear bomb. They're going to name it Wormwood. Wormwood is just a word that means desolation and judgment. A third of the waters turned bitter and many people died from the waters that became bitter. What happens here is this this moment, this star comes out of the sky and it begins to affect the world's water supply. 
And we talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse of, of Revelation last week. And we see that war and famine and the lack of peace are riding in the world during this time. They are causing havoc all over the world that this star comes in. But I want you to understand something. It's not just as a star comes in and the waters turn bitter and they're undrinkable. What it means is judgment and sorrow is coming. And we, we look at this and we go, man, like, what, 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 of course people are going to turn, right? And of course things are going to go on. And of course things are going to happen. But did Egypt ever turn? When we go to Exodus, did, did Egypt ever go, oh yeah, you know what? This is pretty bad. They did for a second and then they chased Israel. And we think and we look in this, this season and we go, man, why don't people get it? Why don't people understand? Like, don't they see all of these things? Do you get it in your life? What are the trumpets being blasted in your life right now that are Warning of impending doom and judgment and wrath coming in because of the choices that you're making. Are you listening? And so then the fourth trumpet comes and we know that famine and war and the lack of peace are surely working their way in the world. Revelation chapter 8 verse 12 In 13, it says this, the fourth angel sounded his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light and also a third of the night. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, whoa, whoa, whoa to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. The Bible takes a reprieve and says, you guys think things are bad now. Beware what is coming. Because what we're seeing in this moment is natural causes of the consequences of our decisions. In fact, even in the book of Romans, the Bible talks about people who are walking in sin, the people who are walking in whatever they want to walk in, and then finally the Lord removes himself from holding back what is coming. What does that mean? Did God just get a whip out? No, he said, you you want the flood. I'm not going to stand in the way of it anymore. And this eagle, which represents wisdom and majesty, flies over the earth in John's vision and warns the world and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. This would, for the reader of the time, go pay attention to what's going to be said right now. Hear and be ready for what God is saying. There's already been famine We've already seen a third of the earth destroyed. We've seen a third of the seas destroyed. We've seen a third of the sea creatures destroyed. We have seen great calamities all over the earth. And the angel which flies over, representing an eagle, says, you haven't seen anything yet. Why? Because God has heard the cries of his people. God is responding. And he's responding swiftly now. He is responding 
with great ferocity and with great judgment. And it is time for you and I to hear this because here's the reality. When when we read these next few verses, we really get into chapter 9. There's this thought that came to mind as I was prepping this week. And it was this. We all want freedom until we don't. We all want to make our own decisions. We all want to do our own things. We all want to have the right to ruin our lives until the consequences come. Until the, the, the ground that you have been sowing and reaping in your life, the fruit of what you have been producing in your life, in the life of the people of this time, until it begins to bear fruit. And then once the fruit comes, we always look to God and say, why didn't you stop me? Why didn't you get in the way? Why didn't you do all of these things? And God said, I believe I was warning you. And I was telling you about what was to come. And I was telling you about the things that were being produced in your life. Because we can relate all of this to us. Right? We can look at this and go, it's all metaphorical. But why would God just want us to have all of these metaphors to not actually do something in our life? Because Revelation chapter 1 verse 3, blessed is the one who not only reads these words, but does what these words say. And so like, where in your natural life? Are things going off the rails? Are things being dominated and things going bad? And there's been warning sign after warning sign after warning sign in your life. And the angel of the Lord is calling out to you and goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Be ready because what you have seen is nothing compared to what is to come. And the Bible tells us that even though God is gracious and loving, he disciplines those whom he loves. And some of us are so mad at God for what he's brought into our lives when the only person to really look at is you because you've welcomed it. And we say, man, all I want is my freedom until the consequences come. And then you say, why didn't you take my freedom away? Why didn't you take my choice away? Why didn't you take my ability away? Why didn't you just dominate me? Why didn't you do all of these things? Because how many of you would respond positively to that? You would rebel more, right? The moment that a prohibition is put upon you, that a warning is put upon you in your life, you rebel more. You push more. And our culture looks at this and goes, man, yeah, you're, you're just, you got grit. Don't have grit in sinning. Don't have this great perseverance to continue in the life that you should not be walking in and go, yeah, I just got grit. Why does God do this? I'll tell you why he does this. He loves his saints and he loves you. We were talking about this last night, Kelsey and I. It's going to sound bad, but we don't mean it bad. We get in a, you know, a, a lot of moments where we, we see things online, we talk to people, whatever. And here's the thing that Kelsey and I came to the conclusion of. There's a lot of people walking around in the earth right now, young and old, who had parents who weren't involved in their life. And they are suffering the consequences of a lack of parental guidance in their life. And you see the fruit of it now. 
and Kelsey and I were talking because, you know, we, we're always like in this struggle, like many parents are, uh, or some probably now, maybe not many anymore, about how do we love our kids well, but also discipline them well. And I think those two things are actually tied together. I think loving your kids well is disciplining your kids well. Because some of you want to be so much your kid's friend right now that you're setting them up for failure in the future. Because you really love you more than you are them right now. Because you need to be liked by your kids. You need your kids not to throw a fit. You need your life to be easier. You need bedtime to be a little easier. And what you're doing is loving yourself and you're setting them up to rebel in the future. And let me just tell you something. We are seeing now, Kelsey and I especially, the result of that kind of parenting. Here's what I think has happened. This isn't in my notes, but I feel like the Lord needs to say this. Okay, gentle parenting. Yes, don't beat your children. Yes, don't scream at your children. Yes, don't call your kids derogatory names and demolish your kids. But gentle parenting has now become irrelevant parenting. It's just like, go do whatever you, okay. You want to go play with knives? I love you. I wouldn't, but okay. You're in trouble. Uh, Go to your room. I don't want to go to my room. Okay. I don't want you to be unhappy. And you're breeding for people a terrible future where they are lost because now's the time to learn the lesson when they're young. And we raise them up as young children and we raise them up and life is tough. Let me just tell you something. I've heard this from so many parents. There's a time to teach. There's a time to discipline. There's a time to walk alongside. And then there's a time to be a friend. Don't ruin the friendship by not going through the first four steps of what your kids need. They don't need a friend right now. They need a parent. And what happens here is God is parenting and disciplining his people and people of the earth. And because he loves them and wants to see them turn and wants to see them come to him and wants to see them go on, there are some natural consequences that are entering the situation that you and I don't like because we all want our freedom until we don't. Are you ignoring, ignoring the warning signs? Let's see how things go here. Revelation chapter 9 verse 1. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet and I saw a star had fallen from the sky to the earth. This star we think is Satan. The star was given a key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke of a gigantic furnace. This is not like the smoke in heaven. This is not the prayers of the saints. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke came locusts. And the locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. Why scorpions? Because most scorpions will sting you and hurt you but won't kill you. The pain is almost unbearable but it won't kill you. It's meant to torture you. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. We talked about this. The angel said when the seals were being opened, wait until these things happen before we put the seal of, our, of God on our people. 
I want you to notice something. There's protection in the midst of all of these things for those who love God and follow God according to his purposes. They were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. In the agony they suffered was like that of a sting of a scorpion when it strikes. During those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. That the suffering that is being brought on by the enemy, by Satan, will be so severe and so hard, people will long for death, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth was like that of a lion's teeth. They had breastplates, like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions. And in their tails, they had power to torment people for five months. They had a king over them, the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek is Apollyon. His name means, in both languages, destroyer. The first woe is past. Two other woes are yet to come. Many of us want freedom until we don't. Because many of us invite in these antichrists, many of us invite these things into our life, and then when they show up, we say, why didn't you stop this? But how many of us need to hear, like in this moment, that some of you are bringing things into your life right now because of the choices that you're freeing and willfully making right now that are coming to bring you doom in your life. And these words are words of warning because God loves you. Because God loves you, he wants to see what is going on. He wants to see you healed. He wants to see you move forward in this life. What we see here is not that God is judging all of the people, but he's allowing what they've brought into their life to come to them. He's allowed, we, we all think like God is the one manipulating and hurting and destroying everyone. No, God has just removed his hand from holding back the one and he's allowed him to open the abyss and he's allowed this moment to enter their life. We, we all look at this and we go, man, God is not, God is so mean and how could God do this? No, this is God allowing what has naturally to come, come. And then finally, the sixth trumpet. I know this is a super encouraging moment for you guys. But here's the deal. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is an encouraging moment for you. Why? Because you're not built for these judgments. You're not built for these things. But you've been rescued from these things. And see, here's the thing that so many of us don't get here. We think like sin and all of these things is just no big deal. This is a big deal because it brings death. It brings all of these things, physical, relational, emotional death. And so now I get to the sixth trumpet, and I know this is encouraging, but I promise you this is encouraging. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar 
That is before God. This is where the angel was holding the incense. This is where the angel threw the incense down to the earth and began what was happening now. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Euphrates in the Bible just means great river. Okay? And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. These are not good angels. These are fallen angels. The number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horse was in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflict injury. You describe this, and, and you look at this, and you go, man, that wow, that is freaky. Could AI draw that? Like, put that verse in there, and let's see what it comes up with, right? Could God be using imagery to describe things that you and I play with in our life right now? Because what is coming to ravage people? Demonic forces, Satan, sin and death. How many of us, we play with these things in our life right now? You look at stuff online because, hey, man, it's not a big deal, right? You, 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 you take a little bit of money here and hide it here or do this with that. It's not a big deal, right? You, you lie about a lot of little things, but it's not a big deal, right? You, you, you are kind to some, but you are demolishing others. But, you know, what's the big deal, right? You talk to this person online, but you haven't done anything yet physically, so what's the big deal, right? 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 Does this sound like a big deal? Some of us in this room are, are dealing with things and walking with things that were not designed to prosper you, but to demolish you. And the saints of the prayers of those, the prayers of the saints are going up to heaven and it's like, have you heard me? Have you heard me? Have you heard me? Have you seen what has happened? Why I lived righteously for you, what has come against me? Have you heard me? Have you seen these things? I am suffering. And this is God saying, I have heard you. I've heard you. And I know what you've gone through. And I know how the world has treated you. And I know what creation has done to you. And I know what the enemy has brought against you. And I've heard you. And I'm answering your call right now. I am answering your call right now. Because here's the reality. <clears throat> Revelation 9, 13 and 14, the prayers at the altar of God, this is what God is saying to you. I hear you. I hear you. Don't delay. Don't lose hope. Don't be overwhelmed or overcome in this moment. I hear you. And just like Kelsey had to wait some time from telling me what she wanted to when the answer came, so too you and I must wait at times. But do not believe the lie of the enemy that God has not heard you. But there's another part to this whole story that I think we miss, right? Like even reading it and studying this week, I'm like, I've never 
read that. Have you ever done that? Like read the Bible or read a story and then something pops out to you, you go, I've never read that. But you've read it, you just wasn't important to you. God opened my mind and my eyes to these very next verses that end chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. All of these things happen. The earth is falling apart. Now, because of how many people have died, nearly half of the earth's population has died. Half. And you and I would think, like, somebody's got to wake up, right? Somebody's got to know what's going on. Like, it's even written down. People can find this out. This isn't a mystery. Like, this is plain as day. There are, like, locusts with people's faces flying around, and there's horses that, that have teeth of a lion. I think you guys would get this. And then verse 20 and 21 happen. Look at what the Bible says. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. The whole story is about what? God hears you. He knows your prayers. He's responding. And then he says, and some of you won't stop worshiping things that are dead. Some of you won't stop worshiping things that can't hear you. Like money, like sex, like drugs, like position, like your title, like your marriage, like all of these things. We're looking for all these things that, that unless Christ is doing it, these things don't hear you. Verse 21 nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. The whole point of this moment here is God heard the prayers of the saints and is responding to the prayer of the saints and responding to what people have been crying out to him. And the end of the story asks us a different question. And for the saint who is suffering right now, for the saint who is going through all of these things and you're wondering if God is hear you, hearing you, the answer to you is yes. But the question that God asks us in return at the end of the story is not, you know, do I hear you? The question is, do you hear me? Do you hear me? Because it seems like God has been projecting to creation and humanity. This is what is coming. This is what's going to happen. This is how hard it's going to be. These are the judgments that are coming upon the earth. These are the things that are going on. And yet even things this hard did not wake up some sleepers. So yes, does God hear you? Yes. But the question that God asks back now is, do you hear me? And some of you in this room are walking in things right now that you should not be walking in. And you think, well, God would tell me and God would do all these things. He screamed at these people. He opens up the abyss. He allows the literal powers of hell to come into the earth, to begin to ravage the earth. And the Bible says that people are so dead asleep and dead in their sin and ignoring what God is saying to them that even when half of the earth is dead, they do not respond. Whoa, whoa, whoa to you and I. To think that we are better than the people at the end of this story is to be remiss and underestimate the depth and the pravity and darkness of sin. 
And some of us, we look at this and we get so scared and we go, I don't want any of these things in my life. I don't want to see these things go on. Then are you hearing him? Are you responding? Because the simple answer to this was that they repented and turned to the Lord. That's it. That's what repentance means. I know it's like a curse word now in our culture because it seems so nasty and awful. But all it means is to go from following one thing to turning around and following another. To go from following all of these things that are obviously breeding death and judgment and hurt in your life and to turn around and follow God. The question that the text is asking you and I at the book of Revelation as we read about this moment is not, man, what are the locusts and what are the horses and what are these things? The question is, is are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Because some of us in this room, Maybe you'll never experience the days of the end times. You'll never experience the hardest things that are coming. You'll never experience how hard life can be. You'll never experience these things. But some of you are experiencing these things on a much lesser level because your ears are closed because you want your freedom until you don't. And is God right now, through the preaching and teaching of his word, telling you, saint, persevere, keep going, I hear what you are praying, and I am going to answer it at the exact right time. Do not give up hope. And for the sinner, unplug your ears. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? And for the saint in this room who is wayward right now, is God telling you to unplug your ears and it's time to come home? That all of this judgment and all of these things could turn and stop if just you would turn and run to him. And I know this isn't a message that's preached a lot in our culture, but I'm tired of weak Christianity. I'm tired of a Christianity that bathes itself in sin and then bets on the grace of God. I'm telling you here, God's grace is here and God's grace is enough. And God's grace is more than enough. But should we abound in our sinning so that grace may abound all the more? Certainly not. That for you and I, the greatest testimony that you and I can give in this moment and in these seasons is the life of a saint, of one who follows God, who calls and walks according to his purposes. And so what is God calling you to right now? I told you that this book is about the future, but it's also about now, is it not? Because some of you, man, the trumpets are blowing in your life right now. Are you hearing him? Are you listening? And so as Cody comes up, we're going to sing, we're going to pray. But as we enter this season, as we go into Christmas, we, we remember a moment in human history where God so saw and heard the cries of his people that he left his throne and that he sent his son to the earth. And he heard the cries of the people so much that God sent a sacrifice for you and I so that whosoever would confess and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, would be saved. That's how much God hears and knows what is going on. And so today, what is God calling out of each one of us? Where is he calling for obedience? Where is he calling for us to hear him? Where is he encouraging you that he hears you? Where, where is he, he in this moment of this, these end times saying, Man, don't be like these people who are totally turned off and totally turned away and totally doing all of these things. And even though the worst judgment in these things that the world has ever seen, they're coming into the world right now and they do nothing. He says, hear me, 
hear my word, I love you. And because I love you, respond. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And you respond and, and walk as the Lord leads you. But here's the reality. If you're like me, when you read these words this week or heard them for the first time this week, this was a little bit of a, a gut check. Because even every person in this room has ignored the call of the trumpet in their life of the things that are to come to turn to him instead of running towards what you are right now. And I just thought in my life and in this moment, Lord, thank you for hearing me. God, help me to hear you. I want to live like him. I want to be like him. I want to experience a life of victory. I want to experience a life of freedom. I want to experience a life of hope now. God may be slow in his response to my prayer, but I know that he is not deaf to it. I know that he hears it. And so I have great hope and perseverance knowing that nothing is unseen, that nothing is unaccounted for, and that he is holy and good. And I am so thankful that in God's grace, Jesus stood in my place.